0: All right, well, this is the last week in our series uh, of talks that we've been in called God is Undefeated. This is week five. And what we've been walking through very simply is how do we walk in the victory of God in all and through all we're experiencing in life? Romans 8 verse 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine, nakedness or danger of the sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And like I've said, every week of this series, somebody say, I'm winning. Okay, time out. (laughs) Put up with it for a little bit. I've had enough. We're at a party. Did you know that? We're at a party. And this is not the sermon I'm going to preach, but can I give you a free one? I know you already tithe for the one that's getting ready. to come. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Let me give you a free one. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Amen. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where two or three are gathered, guess who's there? Jesus. So that means that right now, available to us... Is all of the power that is in heaven for your life, for God to move through your life. You know, I think one of the most detrimental things to our walk with God is that we come to church every Sunday. Let me explain to you why I say that. Because it begins to feel routine. This is why the average family in America comes to church once a month. And it's because, oh, it's just, yeah, it's just what we do. We, we, we're going to show up on Sunday. We're going we're gonna to be here. We're going to sing some songs. I'll probably like two of the four. Right? I hope the worship leader that I really connect with is leading. Because when that one person's leading, I have trouble. I hope JD doesn't wear another black shirt. Right? I hope it's not too cold in here because sometimes it's too cold and I forgot my jacket. And it turns into, we're just showing up to play church. We're here to meet with the living God. Would you think about that for a minute? The living God, the God who created the heavens and the earth is here. He's here. And there's an invitation for us to expect that we're going to encounter him. Now, I can't control your expectation. But my expectation for us is that every time we gather together, that it never becomes this routine thing of this is just what we do on a Sunday. And then I'm just going to show up to my life group. And we're not really becoming disciples of Jesus. We're just in a Christian routine. And we're not called to live in a Christian routine. We're called to be disciples of Jesus. That means that we encounter him. We're changed by him. Our life begins to reflect him. And those things don't happen when we're just checking a box of sing three songs, give an offering, listen to a sermon, and text somebody during the sermon if you're bored about where you're going to go to lunch. The city of Austin is desperate for us to stop playing church and start being the church. Desperate. Desperate. And this whole series we've been talking about is learning how to be a people that are a beacon of victory even in the challenges that we're facing, not from the challenges that we're facing. It's about learning how to breathe in the truth of the Word of God to become obsessed with Him so that who He is becomes greater than the challenges that I might be facing 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, gives us three things. Three things that we're supposed to do as followers of Jesus. They're supposed to just come out of us all the time. Rejoicing always. This is what's supposed to happen, man. It's, we're supposed to rejoice. We're supposed to be just filled with just rejoice. You know, rejoicing is different than just being happy. Happiness is fleeting. Rejoicing is a choice. I can choose to rejoice regardless of what I feel. 1 Thessalonians tells us you know what you're supposed to look like? You're supposed to look like someone who's rejoicing always. You know what else you're supposed to do? Pray continually. Pray without ceasing. Let intercession pour forth out of your heart. And These past five weeks, I hope you remember this, we've been talking about that this call to be those who pray without ceasing is not a call for us to fill the heavens with our language and our words. It's a call to connection with the living God. To connect with him, to stay continually connected to him and to give thanks in all circumstances, to be a thankful people. And this is what it says, for this is God's will for you. This is what God wants for you. This is his will for you in Christ Jesus. An effective prayer life is not saying the right things and saying them in the right way. It's not being a good public speaker. It's not having a clever turn of phrase and, wasn't that cool when they said that? No, being an effective person of prayer is saying, God, you are who I want to be with. And we stay connected to him and we lean into him. It's not about asking God to do something for us. It's about connecting with the God who is for us. Today, I want to bring this series to a head by talking about what it looks like to fight for others' victory. What does it look like to fight for the victory of others? What does it look like for us to be those who are not just wrestling with our stuff, but to get into the fight with those who are around us and believe that the God who will turn all things for good will be alive and move in their lives. Let's pray, Jesus, I'm asking that you would awaken our hearts to the fact that you are here. That you would wake us up to the fact that you, the living God, is in this place, that you've given us your word so that we can be a people that can learn and be changed by you. And Lord, I'm asking that our faith would grow, our hope would grow, our expectation would grow as we learn to be those who rest in what you're doing, regardless of what we are seeing. And everybody shouted. "Amen." I was hanging out a a couple of uh, weeks ago with some college buddies. And um, I know some of you are like, wait, you've graduated college? You look so young. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I know. Looks can be deceiving. I was hanging out with some college buddies, and we were just having one of those moments where we were not just connecting about what is going on in our lives now and swimming through teenagers and... Jobs and all the things that go along with that. But but we were reminiscing a little bit about memories that we had had. We were kind of recounting some of the experiences with God that we had had with one another and different amazing, powerful things. And then also some funny things and some moments that marked us that we didn't realize were marking us when we were in the middle of them. And one of the guys who was there is a dude named Jonathan. And Jonathan and I... Uh, became friends my freshman year. He was actually a year ahead of me. He was a sophomore, and he really invested in my life. He took me under his wing, and he would, we'd get together and spend time with God, and he would teach me about what it looked like to actually have a relationship with Jesus, and not just to talk about it, but to, uh, to become an apprentice of Jesus, to spend time with God to become like him, not just to spend time with God to say that I did it. And so we would get together and we would pray and we would, we would go out together and share the gospel and share the love of Jesus with people. And we were just like learning how to live our faith together. And, and he was just a pivotal part of my life for many, many years. And even to this day, there's like God has knit us together and we don't spend as much time as we did then together. But every time we do spend together, it's just sweet. It's powerful um, because God has just really put us together for, uh, for for a beautiful purpose. And Jonathan was telling a story about how back in college, he threw it out to all of us that we should run a marathon together. Right? And, and so it, this was like classic Jonathan. Like he would always pick these crazy things and be like, let's do it together, man. This could be amazing. And uh, I just, for the record, I did not sign up to do it i said no i'm not gonna run a marathon and to this day for some reason i feel like i should run a marathon but i get out of bed and my knees remind me that i shouldn't right and so what happened is what you're thinking happened as the training got harder the group got smaller It went from like 10 guys who were running to like 8 guys to 4 guys to 3 guys to 2 guys to Jonathan. So here's Jonathan. The race is coming. Me and a couple of other people who were in Jonathan's life group were like, Hey, let's go cheer him on. Now, here's what I didn't know. I'd never been to a marathon. That's actually hard. Like. To find them is really hard. If you've never tried to cheer somebody on in a marathon, it's a miracle to even see them for like one second. All right, I think now there's apps where they the chip that there's their timing chip allows you to kind of see where they are to better help you. But there were so many moments where we were just guessing like, okay, let's just go to mile 12. We'd wait there for a while. He was not there like, okay, let's go to mile 14. And we were just like trying to find him. We finally see him at like mile 17. First time, we got there when the race started, and we're seeing him at mile 17, okay? So it's been a couple hours, and, and like, I I look at him, and I'm like, dude, this guy's dying. <laughs> you know, I'm like, bro, I mean, he could barely, he had shifted from running to shuffling. You know the marathon shuffle, where you go from the spring in your step to just the, the glide, the no... Right. And so he had shifted to that and he just looks like he is in anguish and he comes over to us and I'm like, bro, you OK? He's like, no, dude, I'm like, I, my legs are cramping up. I, I don't even know if I can finish. And I just like was just like, dude, you want me to run a little bit with you? And he was like, please. So I just like, got under the rope and I was just like, I was there. I'm like, oh, dude, I just kind of hang with him a little talk, distract him. Nine miles later. We turn the corner and I, we see the finish line, and I peel off, and he finishes the race. And he's telling that story, and I honestly hadn't really even thought about it. Like, I, I, it, was, it was not a significant moment for me, except for I had no intention of running nine miles. Now, granted, it was a pretty slow pace. <laughs> More walking nine miles, maybe. Uh, shuffling nine miles. And I, was, I remember just looking at him like, you remember that? He's like, dude, one of the most significant moments of my life. And I was like, explain. He said, when you're going through so much pain that you don't know how you can keep going, and the finish line feel so far away, you have no idea how you're going to be able to reach it. And somebody comes and stands next to you and says, we're going to get there together. It still hurt. It was still hard, but I wasn't hopeless in the journey. I was just trying to help my friend. Just trying to get in there and be like, dude, come on. We can, you can do this. You've been working for this. You can finish this thing. To me, it was just, yeah, whatever, man. It's not significant at all to my friend. It was the reason he kept running. Galatians 6 verse 2 says, Carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And I know some of your wheels are spinning because you were here last week, and you're like, wait, hold on, how does this work? Because last week was all about growing and learning how to go through hard things, the easy way of Jesus, by casting the weight of what we're carrying on him. Matthew 11, Jesus tells us to come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Galatians 6 is not contradicting Matthew 11. It is actually reinforcing it. Because when it says that we're to carry each other's burdens, it's not that we're taking on the weight. We're joining into the weight transfer that happens when we cast our cares upon the Lord. Remember, the easy way of Jesus is not the absence of things. It's the presence of the right thing. The easy yoke or going through hard things, the easy way of Jesus is about finding rest and hope in what we are going through. It is not about finding rest from what we are going through. Because in in, in his presence, we are given the help that we need. He is our ever-present help in our time of need. He is the peace that transcends all understanding. And when we are in the middle of things that we don't understand, we can hang on to Him even as we are experiencing things that are confusing, disorienting, frustrating, painful And Galatians 6 is an invitation for the fight to stay in the easy way of Jesus, to not be a personal fight, but a communal fight. Meaning if we're going through something hard, if I'm going through something hard, if you're going through something hard, we don't just watch each other struggle. We actually get in the struggle with each other. And if you're weary and burdened or of need of God to break into your world or to bring breakthrough in an area of your life, that's something that we fight. That's just not something that you fight. And the biblical word for this is intercession. 1 Timothy 2 verse 1 says, I urge you, I urge you, first of all, the petition." Uh, Uh, I urge you, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. I urge you, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. So what is intercession? Very simply, it's the act of praying on behalf of others. It is Galatians 6, carrying each other's Burdens. This weight is not mine to carry, but I'm going to come underneath it and carry it with you as we practice the weight transfer of the easy way of Jesus going through this not easy thing. It's carrying each other's burdens. It's I'm connecting with the living God and I'm there in that place, standing in the gap, not for my need, but for your need. Intercession is, is stepping into the hard things that others are going through and saying, I'm going to carry this with you. You know, nothing will teach you how to be an intercessor than being a parent. <laughs> I never saw myself being somebody who was like graded intercession until I got kids. I'm like, I need to learn. I need to learn because I can try as hard as I can to protect them from life, but I'm not very good at it. And I can insulate them and body block them and put them in this environment. And, but life somehow still finds your kids. Have you experienced this as moms and dads? If you are a kid, which is all of us, did life find you? Right? Life finds all of us. It doesn't matter what we do. And, man, it is hard to watch your kids go through hard things. It, it is like, oh, it's, I, I would much rather go through it myself. And just a couple of months ago, one of my kids was dealing with just a ton of stress about school and friends and sports, you know, all of the teenage things. And uh, I, I am looking at their stress, and then I become stressed right? Have you experienced that burden transfer? Where it's like, man, you have nothing to do with the situation. You have no control over the situation, but you are absolutely stressed out because of the situation. And so I woke up in the middle of the night, as I often do when I'm overwhelmed and stressed about three o'clock in the morning, kind of can set an alarm to it. And I'm sitting in my living room, and I am so burdened by what my kid's going through. It's just heavy. It felt like a weight on my shoulders. It felt like my head was in a dark cloud. I was crying out as I'm crying. God, you have to do something. You have to do something. You. You have to do something and i have a document on my computer that's just titled meditations for this season and i want to encourage you have scriptures that you are standing on for every season that you are living in have scriptures that you can stand on in every season you're living in because when you're in these moments Feeling the burdens of others. Remember, we're not called to carry the weight. We're called to transfer the weight. Yeah. But, but it is the word of God that is the, is the railroad track from that weight sliding from your shoulders onto the easy yoke of Jesus' shoulders. And I'm so thankful that I had scriptures that brought a foundation to what felt like was a wave of emotion that I was experiencing. We go like this, especially when our kids get involved, right? It's just all over the place. Oh! You know, like you're just drowning, the waves are slapping you in the face. What weighs up, what weighs down? I'm going to go kill that kid. I'm going to talk to the coach. You know what I'm saying? Like all of the things. And, and then you're like, but I don't want to be that parent. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I want to bring death to helicopter parenting. So I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to, I'm going to land my hell I'm going to leave my helicopter in the backyard. I, you know, I can't protect my kid from life, but I can help my kid understand where to go in hard things in life. And so this meditation, these, I was like, man, I need to go to these meditations that I have for every season. And so I go to that document. I open it up. And then Psalm 46, verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength. God is our refuge and strength and an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. There the, though the earth give way and mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Oh, I love that! I love that. Think about this: God is our refuge and our strength; He's our ever-present help in trouble. That means that he is covering us and he is a place that that we can run to to experience covering. He's our ever-present help in trouble. And even though everything that I'm looking at, the earth is giving way. And things that I thought were solid are sliding into an unsolid ocean. Things I thought were unmovable are shaking. Things that I thought that I could hang on to are falling into water. There's a river that makes glad the city of God. There's a river that makes my heart glad. There's a river of refreshment and provision that pours into me that makes my heart glad. God is within her and she will not fail. That'll fire you up in the morning. God, you're with me, so I'm not going to fail. You're with me. God will help her at the break of day. And what I'm doing is I'm reading this scripture, and guess what's happening to the burden that I'm carrying? It is being transferred as I'm beginning to look at God, stay connected to who he is versus overwhelmed by what I need him to do. And so I just stayed in the scripture. And you know what? I was like, you know what? I'm going to pray this over my kid. Now that I'm experiencing the power of the easy yoke of Jesus, going through hard things, the easy way of Jesus, I'm going to stand in the gap and say, God, you have met me in this place. Therefore, you will meet them in their place. And so I just start reading the scripture with them in mind, standing in the gap. For their need for breakthrough, even though it's not my need for breakthrough. God, will you show them that you are their refuge and their strength? Would you show them that you're their ever present help in trouble? Would you show them that even though the mountains are gonna give way and and waters are gonna roar and waves are gonna cause foam and destruction, that there's a destruction, there's a river that makes glad the city of God, that within her she will not fail because God will help her at the break of day. And I just remember, man, just experiencing the presence of God as I'm trying to connect to him. Not for him to do something, but so that I can see what he's doing. Remember, we don't pray so that God will move. It's not how it works. We don't pray so that God will move. We can't manipulate God. We pray so that we can see how he's moving. Because he's always moving. God is not waiting for you to hit like some accumulated amount of time in your intercession before he brings you the breakthrough that you're asking for. This is not how it works. It's not like, oh, you know, God's in heaven with like a scorecard going. It's been about 20 hours of Billy kind of crying out. That he would experience X. He needs this. What he's asking for is about a 35-hour-er. So keep it up, brother. 15 more hours, and then I'm going to move. That is not who God is. That is not how God works. That is not biblical. But at times, it is evangelical. Meaning that sometimes we think we, like, there's like somebody told us. I don't know who it was. And here's the thing. I don't actually think anyone told us except the devil. And so when you are crying out for something and then it doesn't happen, guess what we often feel? What did I do wrong? Did I not have enough faith? Did I not pray the right way? So then we start like going to conferences and reading books. And we're like, there's got to be a magic word, I guess. Yeah. Look, I love books. I love conferences. But the answer is not a book or the conference. The answer is the living God. In yeah. us as his people maturing and understanding that God is always moving. And sometimes he is moving on us in our pain and our need for healing. And sometimes he is moving on behalf of us and bringing Healing. But he's always moving. And so we're not praying, asking, oh God, would you do something that you don't want to do? We're saying, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Let me see how you're moving. Our prayers move us towards him. They don't move him towards us. I mean, some of you feel distant because you don't pray enough. Because you think that your prayers like reel him in. No, your prayers reel you in. Again, we've been quoting Richard Foster almost every single week of this series from his book called Prayer. And he says this, we neither manipulate God or we're m- manipulated by God. We neither manipulate God or manipulated by God. We are involved in the action and participation in its results, but do not have control or define it. Intercession is an important biblical action that we participate in to see God move in power in our lives, in the lives of those who are around us, but our lack of control should not lead to inaction. It should lead to dependent action. We stand with those in need. We believe that God wants to heal people. We believe that he wants to do the impossible. We fight on their behalf. We fight for their salvation, whatever it is. And we fight with faith in the God of the impossible. We don't have faith that God will do the impossible. You hear what I'm saying? We're saying, God, we want you. Our faith is in you. It's not in what you do. Look, we've created a culture that is weak because we want God to do stuff versus being with the God who is the builder of everything. It's like we're worshiping the fruit of the hands versus the God who creates the fruit. And this is how we become unwavered. This is how our foundation is built on rock and not sand. This is how you can go through hard things the easy way of Jesus. Because you're not putting your faith in what he does. You're putting your faith in who he is. Because he is always moving so so like if someone you know is sick or or you're believing for a family member to come to saving saving faith or, or someone you know is struggling with anxiety and fear right philippians 4 is real right we're not to be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to god have you noticed the theme of thanksgiving in every one of these passages that are about prayer There's this thing, there's this thankfulness thing that God has woven into us. And if you're like, man, I don't know how to pray, start by just being thankful today. Just be thankful. Just be thankful for Him. We're to present our prayers and petitions for every situation. Present those requests to God. We go to Him. We, we call on heaven. We stand in the gap. We read scriptures that are anchoring us and we are joining in the weight transfer of the burdens that they are carrying as we are saying, you know what, I want to walk in the easy way of Jesus as I'm going through hard things and I want you to walk in the easy way of Jesus as you are going through hard things. But man, we are unsure of how God is going to move, but that doesn't mean that we should be unwavered that God will and can move. Hebrews 11.1 one says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. What faith is, is to believe that God will be himself and do what he does. And our faith is strengthened as we lock into him and not into what we hope he does for us in our situation. I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, But some of you have been praying for something, praying for someone, and you haven't seen what you thought you were going to see. You haven't seen it. You haven't experienced it. Maybe right now, you know somebody who needs a miracle like yesterday. And you're like, God, like, I know you can move. My hope is in you. My, 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 my faith is in you. And you're just standing in the gap, and you're praying, and you're like, God, would you move in power on this person? Would you save them from themselves? Would you have them come to a knowledge of who you are? Would you rescue them? Would you heal them? Whatever it is, whatever need it is that you are fighting for. You're not seeing what you thought you were going to see, and you've started to wonder if God actually hears your prayers. You've started to wonder, I mean, am I doing something wrong? Am I saying it wrong? Is my faith not big enough? Is my my hope in the wrong thing? Am I worshiping the work of his hands and not the truth of who he is? And you kind of get lost in the questions and the confusion of your mind going, God, I don't understand why you're not moving. I know that you can move. And we just begin to think, we take it personally, right? Like it must be me. It's like how we used to break up with people, or maybe you still do, and I would encourage you not to, but if you still, you know, like it's not you, it's me, right? Like we we transfer that onto God. It's like, I know it's not you, but it must be me. You need to hear me say that God is with you. He's never left you. He'll never forsake you. He hears your prayers. He knows your name. He sees you breathe. He rests with you. He's fighting for you. And even though you haven't seen what you thought that you were going to see, the story that God is telling is not over. And What God is doing in you and how God wants to move through your life, He's still writing Story. And so just because we don't always understand what God's doing, it doesn't mean then that we stop praying. Because Jesus told us in Matthew 6, when you pray, didn't say if you pray. When you pray, pray like this. Praying and, and standing in the gap for the needs of ourselves and for others isn't a suggestion. It's a heavenly expectation. When you Pray, and I love the picture and the power of praying and standing in the gap for one another that we see in Exodus 17. Exodus 17 says that the in verse eight it says the Amalekites came to attack the Israelites, and Houston. And Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go go down and fight the Amalekites tomorrow. And I'm going to stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. I want you to understand that Moses understood that this was Joshua's fight. This was not his fight. This was Joshua's battle. This was not Moses' battle. He says, Joshua, I want you to go down there, and I want you to deal with this attacking enemy that's coming to try to steal, kill, and destroy from what I am building as I am carving out a people for myself on the earth. And it says in verse 10, so Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up his hands... The Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites are winning. I love this because when Moses was holding his arms up, praying for the people, worshiping the God of the people, they were winning the battle. And Moses holding his arms up, hear me. This physical act of holding his arms up was not the reason why they were winning. It was what he was doing when his arms were up was the reason that they were winning. And for everybody who's ever led anything that's gone through a hard time and you go to like some charismatic service and they're like, let us hold your arms up. And like after about 15 seconds, you're like, this is horrible. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Your, Your hands go numb. You're like, please let me put my arms down. It wasn't that he just had his hands up. It was what he was doing. It was position of his heart. It was what was going on in his heart and in his mind. Because listen, we become tired in the fight. And so we become distracted in the fight. I think Moses was just like, oh, it looks like we're doing good. Finish it up. And he, his heart moved on. And God was like, no, 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 no. Full surrender at all times and all things. Full surrender at all times and all things. And so he got so tired, it says, that, that Moses and Aaron, hey, like pulled over a rock for him to sit on. And they're like, dude, sit down, bro. Like, we'll hold your arms up for you. You don't have anything else left, And but it doesn't mean that the fight is over. So we're going to start fighting with you. We're gonna carry this burden with you. You sit here, you rest, we'll hold your arms up and we will together stay focused on who God is and what he's doing. And as they did that, it says that Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. James 5, verse 16 tells us that the prayers of the righteous person are powerful and effective. I love this picture of community that when we come along, those who are worn out from fighting for the breakthrough that they need, knowing that they need to stay in the place of standing, but they don't have the strength to stand anymore, we get to Galatians 6. We get to come around them and carry each other's burdens And we begin to fight, not as the world fights, but as we fight with weapons that demolish strongholds. And we stand in the gap and we pray for one another and we fight for one another and we carry each other's burdens not so that we can do something in our own strength but that we can join in with one another and the weight transfer of walking in the easy way of jesus as we are going through hard things do me a favor and stand to your feet Do you know in Acts 4, the disciples found themselves in a room terrified because they were going through hard things. They were being persecuted, misunderstood, painful things were happening to them. People were getting hurt and arrested. And it says that they prayed and the place that they were at was filled with the Holy Spirit and it shook like an earthquake. what I'm believing for is going to happen this morning is that there is a great shaking when God begins to move in and on your behalf. Because when we pray, it draws us closer to what God is doing. And God is moving. And he's here right now. And if you are weary from the fight, and you're like, man, I need someone to fight with me. I need someone to to hold up my arms. I need somebody to stand with me. Right now, I just want you to make your way to the front because we have a team of people that want to stand with you and stand around you and say, you know what? You're not in this alone. We will fight with you together. We will focus our eyes on the living God and experience the easy way of Jesus as we're going through hard things. And as we worship... If there's anything that you need, anything you're going through in life, any challenge that you're experiencing, that you would come up here and experience the living God, a shaking that can happen in your soul when you say, God, come and move on my behalf. And people around you saying, you know what, I need the living God to move on my behalf. And I am believing that there's going to be a shaking that breaks away the the callousness of your heart, that breaks away the, the weariness of your soul so that you can experience the easy way of jesus as you're going through really not easy things let's pray jesus thank you for your power and your grace and your mercy and i just ask that right now that you would come and that you would fill this room this place where we have need Lord, some of us are fearful, some of us are weary, some of us are exhausted. Others of us are learning to fight other people with other people, learning how to stand in the gap for those around us. And it's, it's exhausting, it's worn us out, and we need a touch from heaven. We need, we need a touch from the living God that can bring fresh strength and fresh hope to everything that we are facing in Jesus' mighty name.